In the month of March, in the year 2008, I found myself stumbling onto a new path in my life. And this new path really did surprise me at the time. But it is that path that has led me to be standing here today. Not just in the sense that I'm standing here and that I'm preaching, but the fact that I am standing here. The fact that I am alive and the fact that I am well. As I stumbled onto this new path, I was coming to realize that I had a deep need. I needed healing from what was nearly a decade of a deep depression. I needed the wholeness of knowing that I was not alone in the world and I needed hope of reconciliation, hope of resurrection in a life that I thought might be over soon. And in March of 2008, I finally heard a voice calling me to follow a new path, a path in which this healing that I so desperately needed could begin. This path, obviously, was the path of following Jesus. Not long after I was set out on this path, I heard a story that I want to share with you this morning. It's a really good story, but I want to tell you a little bit about how I heard this story and where this story came from to help us understand it a little bit better. Six or seven months after I made that decision, after I started following this path, I found myself to be lucky enough to follow in the very literal footsteps of Jesus by traveling uh, to Israel and to Turkey. Some of the people that were on that trip are in this room. Pastor Janet was with me. Jack was with me. I don't see where Jack is, but I saw him come in. Now, on that trip, on the very first morning of that trip, I heard a story from our rabbi. Our teacher told this story to help us orient ourselves to what it was that we were setting out to discover on this pilgrimage. And this story for me since that day has been a story that has helped me to orient myself to my everyday life, to my everyday discipleship as I walk this path. This story was first told centuries ago. This story was first told about the same time that our Christian scriptures were being written down, and it comes from the same culture that Jesus lived within. This culture, much like today's culture, was influenced by many things, and most especially by a global world that was seemingly becoming smaller and smaller. There are two things about this particular culture that I want to explain just a little bit so that we know a little bit more about what this story is about. One part of that culture in the first century of Israel was that it was birthing the rabbinical approach to Judaism. And in this approach, storytelling was a main way of helping the people of God interpret their situation. It was a way that they helped them interpret their scriptures, the way that they helped them interpret the world and the place that they had within it. And another part of that culture of first century Israel was the part that was dominated. It was dominated by the chaos that came with the Roman occupation and Rome's approach to bringing peace with the sword. This story was birthed in a world in which the people of God had to navigate complex realities, had to navigate violence and confusion 
in order to respond with faithfulness in the world that they were given. I think a story like that is probably worth telling again today. So here's the story. In the Galilee region, in northern Israel, there once lived a great rabbi. This rabbi was known and respected across the land of Israel, and this rabbi often traveled. He would go to surrounding villages. He would go to towns. He would go teach in synagogues, and he would debate, and he would question, and he would learn with the people that he did community with, the people that he did life with. And at the end of one particular day, when he'd been in this synagogue debating with another person and answering questions and asking questions, he was heading home, and he was so wrapped up in the exhilaration of the day that he just kept walking, thinking about the scriptures that they'd talked about that day. He kept thinking about the things that they meant. He kept thinking about the words that he had heard from the people around him. He was thinking about the questions that he was asked and the questions that he raised, and he was so lost in thought as he was heading home that when the time came for him to turn to go home, he missed the turn. He was so lost in thought that he continued down the wrong path for quite a while and he came around this cliff face and he looked up and there was a Roman garrison. You can imagine that he was rather scared. Before he even really realizes where he is, there's this voice that pounds down from the top of the tower that says, who are you? Why are you here? The rabbi can barely hold himself together. Before he can respond, he hears it again. Who are you? Why are you here? The rabbi finally starts to regain a little bit of self-control. And what you need to know about these first century century rabbis, these rabbis that lived in the time of Jesus, is that they always asked really good questions. And so as this rabbi gained his self-control, he looked up into the darkness towards where he thought he heard that voice, and he said this. How much are you paid to ask these two questions? The soldier took his turn to be confused. You can't imagine that a rabbi would often or that anybody would really question these Roman soldiers. And so the Roman soldier, before he even realized what he was doing, he answered the rabbi. He said, two drachma a day, peasant. He had to assert his authority. And the rabbi, without skipping a beat, looked up into the darkness and said, I will pay you twice that if you stand at my gate and you ask me these two questions every morning when I leave and every evening When I return, who are you and why are you here? Who are you? Why are you here? I want to give you some space, some time to ponder these questions this morning. But as you do, I'd like to consider them in light of both of the stories that we've read from our Bibles this morning. And so first, I ask you this. How do you imagine that Matthew may have answered these questions? On that morning before Jesus came up the road and called him to follow, how do you think Matthew may have defined himself? 
How do you think Matthew would have answered the question, why are you here in this tax booth? In this story, we definitely see how Matthew's contemporaries, how the people around Matthew probably viewed him. The author of the gospel and the Pharisees both used the term tax collector and sinner synonymously. And remember this, the author of this gospel is supposed to be Matthew himself. In this ancient world, a tax collector is a sinner. And there's good reason to consider this to be the case. Throughout this Roman empire, tax collectors were recruited from the local populace. They were called to oversee the taxation of a region. And these tax collectors were given license to do it any way that they wanted. There was no upper bound on what they took as long as they paid that Roman government what they needed. And so usually this meant that the tax collector would employ extortion, theft, bribery, violence, you name it. And tax collectors often ended up rich in the process. This economic oppression on the part of the tax collection is one thing, but what's more is that these tax collectors were then seen by their communities to be collaborators. They were those who shared the same blood, the same history of oppression and liberation with their neighbors. And yet they had chosen to cooperate with the tyranny of the oppressor. So to be a tax collector in the time of Jesus may have meant that you had some means, but it also meant that you were cast out, that you were ostracized, that you were despised by the very community that gave you birth, that brought you up, and that gave you love. Now, I don't think that we can say exactly what was in Matthew's mind. I don't know how these realities impacted Matthew's psychological health, his understanding of who he was. I don't know how he would have answered these questions of identity and community and purpose. But my guess, my guess is that there was something about his vocation, something about those whom he worked for, and something about those whom he was exploiting that left him at the least unsatisfied and maybe desperate for a change in his situation, maybe desperate for a new path. On one particular day, as Matthew is sitting in his booth collecting his taxes in this same Galilee region, on one particular day, an itinerant rabbi would walk up the path towards him, perhaps lost in thought, wrestling over the text. The gospel tells us that there had been news spreading of this rabbi throughout the region because of how surprising this rabbi is. This rabbi is surprising because he's been performing miracles. Those that encounter this rabbi have a new path to walk after receiving physical, emotional, spiritual restoration. And this rabbi is surprising because he speaks truth to the marginalized people, telling them that despite what they may see around them, God is still mindful of them. This rabbi declares that the poor are blessed, that God will bless the mourning, that God will bless the meek and those that hunger and thirst and work for mercy and peace and justice in the world that they've been given. 
This rabbi is also surprising because he claims the ability to forgive sin. We all know the pain that sin causes us. We know the pain of the breaking relationships around us. We know the pain of failing to love well our neighbors, our family, the pain of failing to love our God well. We even know the pain of failing to love our enemies well. And this rabbi somehow claims the ability to mend and to restore the relationships that have been broken. Maybe that morning, maybe Matthew felt a little bit of hope. Maybe he felt a little bit of hope rising inside as he heard that this strange and surprising rabbi was walking up the booth towards his path, towards his booth. Maybe Matthew had heard these surprising things about this rabbi. Maybe he'd heard that his people were still known and loved. Maybe Matthew felt a little bit of hope when this rabbi claimed that the people of God lived under the reign of God rather than the reign of Caesar. Maybe Matthew felt a little bit of hope when he heard that this rabbi could indeed forgive sin. Maybe the hope was for the repair of the broken relationships around him. Maybe this man needed to know once again that he was not alone, that he was accepted and loved by his God, and that he could be restored to the community even after all he had done. When Jesus walks up that path that day, he says to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew gets up and follows him without hesitation. Something about that call. Something about what he heard from this rabbi gave Matthew exactly what he needed to hear in this moment. And something in that call caused him to respond. Something drew him onto a new path. This call allowed him to rethink these questions that we're thinking about this morning. Matthew no longer needed to be defined by being a tax collector and a sinner. Who are you? Why are you here? There have been times in my life when I have had absolutely no idea how to answer these questions. Times when I had no idea who I was or where I belonged or what I was supposed to do, but there's also been times when I've known the answers to these questions, and those answers that I had were dreadfully wrong. Who am I? I'm the nonconformist. I'm the smartest person in this room. I'm my job. The worst of my answers, the worst of my answers was this. I am my depression. I am my illness. I'm the part of me that dampens love. For me, when I finally heard that call in 2008, It gave me the opportunity and the inspiration to rethink the answers that I had for those questions. 
This call has given me new answers, but more than that, this call actually helped me to understand some of the answers that I had before that moment. Who am I? I am somebody that struggles with depression. But I am also a disciple. I am a son, and I am a father, and I am a husband, and I am a brother. I'm also a pastor. And why am I here? I am here because this community has loved me well. Because I have grown here. I am here to receive love and grace from you. To receive love and grace from God and to somehow share it with this world in such a way that this world is tangibly changed. I'm sure that each of you, as we've been talking this morning, have been mulling these questions over. Many of you probably ask these questions regularly. And as you continue to think about these questions just a little bit longer, I want you to consider a couple more things from our Bible texts. This time from from the story that Pastor Janet read us, the story of Abram. There are two pieces from this story that I want to highlight, but these two pieces are very much related. These two points both have to do with the paths that we're called to walk. This morning we read about the call of Abram found at the beginning of chapter 12, but that's not actually where the story of Abram begins. If we go back and we read the last few verses of the 11th chapter of Genesis, we find that Abram's journey actually began when Abram's own father gathered up his family and set out from the home of his father. Abram's father was heading towards Canaan, but somehow they ended up settling in Haran. Abram's journey, Abram's path began well before he heard the call of God. Abram was walking a path that God had set well before Abram knew that he had done so. I've said a few times this morning that the people that we've talked about found themselves on a new path, that I found myself stumbling onto a new path. This is true, but I don't think it's quite true enough. Each one of us has long been on a path, a path that has led us to this very moment. God's grace, God's calling, God's guiding has been there on that path the whole time, whether we've recognized it or not. And God's voice is still calling this moment. Follow me. This path for me and for you has likely taken strange turns, and you probably had opportunities to choose one path when it looks like there are many of them. For those of you that are as bullheaded and stubborn as me, you've probably tried to forge your own path in the wilderness. But whatever path has brought you to this moment has been worth traveling. And the next point is this, that path continues. That path continues while you wrestle with these questions of who you are and why you're here. You don't have to actually have the answers to those questions in order to take the next step. You have permission to give yourself grace. If you don't know the answer to those questions or any of the questions you face, 
Answering the question isn't the only purpose of asking it. Asking the question, wrestling with the question, discussing these questions. Walking the path is the point of these questions. When God calls Abram, this call doesn't really give Abram any information. God says, go to the place I will show you. God doesn't give a direction or a destination, but Abram goes. Abram takes the next step on the journey, even without the certainty that we so desperately feel like we need. And finally, here's what I want to ask of all of you. I want you to hear these questions, and I want you to wrestle with them. And my hope is that as you individually think about these questions, that you realize that you share the answers to these questions with the community around you. My hope is that one of those answers to those questions is that you would consider yourself a disciple of the Christ. My hope is that you would consider, you're someone, consider yourself someone that is called to receive and to give love for the transformation of the world. My hope is that you would consider yourself a participant in this community. And if we do share these answers to these questions, then I want to ask this of you. Each of you is asked these questions. Each of you is called to discipleship, but I also know that we as a community of faith are called to a communal discipleship. And so as we have our divine encounter this morning with Christ, and as the Christ calls us, let us take up these questions together. I'd love for us to have these conversations. I'd love to hear from you, but I'd love even more to hear that you're talking to each other, that you're gathering together, that you're eating, that you're participating in the life of this church beyond Sunday morning that you're asking these questions of yourselves and of this community, and if you are, then you are helping us guide our own path of discipleship. We've been given the opportunity to stumble onto a new path together. All of our paths have converged here this morning, whether or not you're here in this room or whether or not you're online. We have been gathered and at the end of the morning, we will go forth. And we will walk different paths. They will look distinct, but my hope is that they are intertwined and that they overlap and that they converge and diverge again. And as we walk those paths and as we wrestle, wrestle with the scriptures and wrestle with these questions, and we engage in this world around us, my hope is that we might stumble into a situation in which we are scared and surprised and hear the questions who are you? Who are we? Why are we here? In the name of the creator who calls you into being, and in the name of the liberator who calls you forth from slavery, and in the name of the spirit that pulls you forward, amen.